For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hollywood Swinging Podcast with Stephen Bishop and Jerry Hairston Jr. I am one of your co-hosts, Stephen Bishop, alongside my ever-so-dapper and talented co-host, Jerry Hairston Jr., a.k.a. the J. Hey Kid, a.k.a. the Denzel Doppelganger, a.k.a. <laughs> AKA the new, the new a.k.a. the legacy. Jerry, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Steve. That's a quite an inter- introduction right there. Um, kind of felt like Apollo Creed. You know, when Apollo Creed was getting introduced before he fought Rocky, uh, a lot of nicknames. Um, I don't think I'm worthy of it, uh, but I appreciate it. Well, you know, Jerry, don't sell yourself short. You're a hell of a slouch. Um, what's been new with you? How have you been hitting? The, what, that's a that's a Caddyshack reference. Do you, you did you see that, or is that are you too too young for that? I'm a little bit too young, but I do love Caddyshack. Okay, well, there's a part in there where the guy says, hey, you know, I'm no slouch. And, the, and Chevy Chase says, oh, Judge, don't sell yourself short. You're a hell of a slouch. Uh, Jerry, we've got a, a, a very interesting guest today. Uh, he is a staple on the Bachelor franchise. He, he was a, uh, a contestant on season 12 of The Bachelorette, where he was eliminated on week six, unfortunately. Uh, he was... Uh, Let's see, he's got such a resume here. Uh, he's Long on, resume. Uh, the third season of The Bachelor in Paradise, where he was eliminated also in week six after his split with Ashley. And then he returned again for the fourth, fifth, and sixth season of Bachelor in Paradise as the bartender, which has got to be the greatest job in television. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Wells Adams joins Hollywood Swinging today. Wells, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. I think ninth will be coming up this summer. Oh um, wow! Well, yeah. we've got to we've got to flog our research guy for giving me faulty information. How dare sorry, he? Sorry, sorry to let to, sorry to omit those things. That's that's yeah. you know, that's my I'm, bad. No, no worries. I also host a show on Hulu. Uh, it's a cooking show for pizza lovers out there called Best in Dough. So go check also, that out. Also. Also, also, two dudes in a kitchen podcast. Yeah. Yes. And also, I mean, there's just so much here. Your favorite thing podcast with Brandy Cyrus. So yes. you're a busy guy, Wells. Yeah. Uh, well, I was a radio host a long time ago in Nashville, and I used to uh, I used to do three different formats uh, every day. So I did a morning show on an alt station. I did afternoon drive on classic rock, and then I did nights on uh, CHR pop top 40 um and brandy is miley cyrus's sister and billy ray's daughter um and so she was a mainstay on my radio show long ago and then um and then we just turned that into a podcast and we've been doing that since i don't know 2015 or so 16 it's been a long time 
Um, and then, yeah, the uh, the uh, two dudes in a kitchen podcast I do with Tyler Florence, who is from like the Food Network fame. Um, he's got a show uh, called The Great Food Truck Race. And I met him because I went and did the um, Worst Cooks in America celebrity uh, season. <laughs> and um, and I won. I beat I beat Johnny Bananas. That's a real person, by the way. I beat uh, Johnny Bananas in the finals. And then Tyler and I kept uh, a close relationship. And now we do a podcast where uh, basically he teaches me and all the listeners out there um, how, to, how to cook food, how to boil water. Wow. I kind of want to I kind of want to get back to your DJ uh, days in Nashville. You mentioned uh, you did the classic rock. How did that go over well in Nashville? Because we know Nashville is a big uh, country music uh, region there. Yeah, it was funny because it was the one format. I Well, I didn't do urban and I didn't do country. Um, and so it was the, those are the two formats I didn't do, which were very popular in Nashville. Um, the great thing about radio is that you don't really you can't see anybody. So no one knew that I was probably too young to be doing a classic rock show. Um, but I had kind of different personas, you know, uh, from my alt and indie show. I was I was like the hipster cool kid for um, for the classic rock show. I was, you know, I I told kind of bad dad jokes and, uh, you know, I I I, I lean towards that demo and then for pop i really had to like lean into like what gen z was into and use words that like i didn't love having to use but yeah i had to kind of like mold myself into different audiences and then the cat was kind of out of the bag when i went on uh the bachelorette which was which was really a radio bit originally i used to go on um i used to go on auditions like bad auditions and i would purposefully do poorly because it was a part of my radio segment that morning where I'd be like, I've got a meow mix commercial guys. I have to like kill it. Mm. And we'd go over my lines and they would be like, you know, meow mix is delicious, whatever it is. And then I would go to the audition and I would kind of purposefully fail um, and not get the part and like be crestfallen and inconsolable the next day when talking about not getting the meow mix commercial. And so I did it. Uh, I did the bachelorette thing thinking like, this would be great radio fodder. It'll be so funny. Like that. I'll be like too douchey for a show filled with douches and uh, come to find out I was the perfect amount of douche. They really <laughs> ate it up. But then once I went on the show, it, I, the cat was out of the bag. Uh, like people n- knew who I was and it was harder for me to kind of pretend to be these other people on the air, you know? Was it everything you expected once you were on that show, The Bachelorette? Everything you expected? Uh, I think so. It was fun. Uh, it's, it was so long ago now, um, and I'm so much on the other side of things because I'm, you know, I'm the bartender on Paradise. But yeah, I, I um, I enjoyed it. I don't think I really ever had like a very strong connection with um with JoJo, and it was pretty obvious that she really liked Jordan Rogers a lot. I mean, he's very handsome. He was a hell of a quarterback. You know, he had a job at an ESPN already. Like, it made total sense that she like liked him more than everybody else. So then it became like, how long can I, you know, can I stick around and um, and hang out and and travel around? And uh, I got pretty far for you know a guy that I, I I was pretty sure she wasn't super into. Which was fine, but I, I found myself as someone who was a radio host. You know, I had my own show when I was in high school, 
And then I went to college for it. And um, when, when I did radio, there was no money in it, which there still isn't, I don't think. But um, I was I was the host, but I was also the producer. I also booked my own show. I also was the tech like I set up for bands and stuff. So the crew side of things, I, I kind of always was more interested in. And so what I remember of those days was I was more interested in talking to like what the sound guys were using, like what what type of mics were we using? Like what lav mics were we using? Like, what do you like to, you know, do you like sure uh, mics compared to, you know, these other ones and SM58s and RE320s? I, I was like a dork about it. And so I remember I remember being more friendly with the crew than I was with like the cast of the show we, that we were trying to make. But uh, I have a, I have a fun memory of all that. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun. We traveled the world. We went to, uh, we went to Nemecolon, uh, Pennsylvania, which has two Pete Dye golf courses, which was sweet, which was sick. Um, and then we went to Argentina, which was awesome. We went to Uruguay, which was really cool. Well, I guess but you, then, you found I, out you had, you had a face for TV. That's what that's what the issue was. Doing the radio, you found out you had a face for TV. Radio is so much harder than TV is. Um, I mean, and, and I would say actually, reality TV is is the closest thing you get to radio because reality TV you don't really get a second chance. But when I did radio, when the red light turned on, like I had to, there was no like take two. You know, there was no pickup for me. Um, like I had to hit my punchline. Like I had to get my segue in. I had to pre-sell what was coming up. I had to get in and out of bits. Um, and and what, what I've learned with TV is it's so much easier because if you screw up, you can be like, hey, can we can we try that again? And they'll be like, yeah, of course. And, and also, there are teleprompters. I don't even have to remember anything. I, I just literally say, I just read what's in front of me uh, for a lot of the TV stuff that I do. And it's so much easier. But I will say the bartending thing is is like doing radio again. Like there is no second take. Like I'm just doing my job there, and I'm I'm hoping that I'm giving the the right advice to these guys when they're you know filming the show. It's interesting that you mentioned radio uh, and being young when you were doing it. When I was a freshman in college, I lived in Northern California, which I also want to ask you about for your classic rock influence. I see you were born in Monterey. Uh, I lived I lived in Moraga, and I know that there's a huge classic rock influence up there. Everybody, I just was playing golf up there a, a couple of weeks ago, and these guys are still playing Steve Miller Band and Credence and all of that. And I, I'm like, God, the music never changes here. Ever since yeah. we were in high school, you've been we've been playing this music. Was that part of your uh, your influence to want to play classic rock a lot? No, the I mean, I got. I got asked to do the show and it was like part of my contract. And I was like, yeah, I can go, I can, I can do this. Um, the wonderful thing, the advantage that I had in terms of like all the different formats that I had to work in, in radio was that I'm the youngest of five kids. My oldest brother's 13 years older than me. So he really did grow up in a time when classic rock was contemporary. Um, and so like I had all of their records, like I had appetite for destruction, you know, I had, uh, all those old Rush records and In Excess records and Tom Petty records because it was my, it was my my brothers and sisters, and then I of course I I grew up during my time which you know was nineties and two thousands and so I had like a like a really good um like a very like diverse palette of musical uh, expertise because of 
all my siblings, which uh, was nice. But I was I was the music director and the assistant program director for a classic rock station, which is the easiest job in the world because you don't add new music to classic rock because it's yeah. we know it's, what it is. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. We did end up, it was weird. We ended up at the kind of the at tail end of my career as a classic rock jock. We started adding Nirvana and Green Day. And I remember thinking, whoa, like I now... I don't like that because now I feel old because <laughs> that's what I grew up on. My first record I ever bought was Green Day Dookie and, you know, Nevermind and In Utero. Those Nirvana records were like, the, I learned to play guitar on those records. Uh, so, yeah, I, I saw the shift of like, oh, I'm becoming the thing that I thought I never was. It's funny you mentioned Ru Rush. I just was just blasting Red Barchetta, Limelight, Tom Sawyer off the Moving Pictures LP just three days ago in my car. Um, what I was going to say is when I was young, I'm a freshman in college, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I had a DJ gig at St. Mary's College Oh, cool! in Moraga where I grew up. And it was like a one night a week, Saturday night, I think at midnight to two. And I was just spinning hip hop. And it was like I was the only guy there spinning hip hop. I don't even remember how I got that job. I think I just went up and asked him, could I do it? Because I had, you know, was listening to the station. Yeah. Uh, and, and they let me do it and it was a lot of fun, but it was, you know, I didn't last long there because it just was like, okay, I don't have that many hip hop records to spin. Yeah. I keep spinning the same things. Please I, tell uh, me what, you're on those turntables, Stephen, please tell me you're doing those turntables. Yeah, no, I was on the turntables. I wasn't scratching and mixing Jerry, oh. but I was, I was definitely playing records on turntables. It, it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was amazing. So, Wells, uh, you, you come from the Bachelor series and the Bachelorette, and now you're the, the bartender at Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, but you are married to actress Sarah Hyland, and from what I understand, you not only asked her parents if it was okay for you to marry her, but also, also her television parents from Modern Family, if they would give you the approval. I, the question I have is what would you have done had they not given the approval? <laughs> Who? Uh, the television parents. Oh yeah. Phil and Claire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, that was, I was less, well, I was less concerned about them. Um, I had, I think I had won them over already. Uh, they, we all, so they filmed like the, uh, episode of like the last season of the second to last season in Paris. And so they all flew to Paris and I, I got to go with them. And so I spent a lot of time with Ty Burrell and Julie Bowen um, and Jesse Tyler Ferguson and all those guys from uh, Modern Family. So I got to know them really well. And uh, so I was less concerned with them saying no, but it was more of, you know, Sarah, Sarah was 18 when she started the show. Um, but she was playing, you know, a 15 or 16 year old, uh, I think the, those first couple of seasons. Um, but the show went 11 years and as much as her real parents did raise her in New York and they deserve all the credit, there was a, there was a lot of like, you know, I, I think that Julie and Ty both really kind of guided her through her like formative years as, you know, a, a late teenager into her twenties. And so it was for me, it was just important that um, th I think that th because they're always going to be a part of Sarah's 
lives that I, I for me it was important that they were also like in the know of like what's going on like what my intentions were um it was also kind of like i thought it was funny like uh like like this is a kind of a funny bit like to call up ty and julie and both of them were hilarious in that conversation ty was like in utah fly fishing uh and like it was cutting in and out and he was like, yeah, man, great. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. He said, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. I'm, I got something on the line here. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. yeah, you got it. And then uh, Julie, uh, of whom is so wonderful and very protective over Sarah, um, you know, she was, took, took it more seriously. Uh, but one of my favorite things that she said when we got married and we called everybody and we were FaceTimed everyone, she was like, Get a prenup, get a prenup. I, like, <laughs> I was like, smart, but also you need to say that. Like, we know that uh, Sarah needs, we, we need to sign a prenup because Sarah made a lot of money uh, pre me. Uh, but I thought that was very funny and very like motherly of her to do when we finally got engaged. How did you propose? Uh, we were in, we went to uh, Fiji and we had like one of those really cool, like over the water uh, huts or whatnot. Um, and it was so kind of telegraphed. Like she's totally, I feel like totally knew it was happening. There was this like yeah. little island that you could go and like do picnics at. It was called Honeymoon Island. So uh, I was like, we're going to Honeymoon Island, um, you know. And but so I threw her off the scent a little bit because uh, she got all dressed up, like looked really good. And so I saw that she like was kind of expecting what was going to happen. So then I threw on like a tank top and like board short. Like I didn't look good at all. And I remember her, the face that she made when she looked at me and she goes, that's what you're wearing. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to an island. I don't know, you know, get drunk over there. Like, well, why am I getting dressed up? And, and I, you know, like the blood rushed out of her face. And I was like, okay, I got, I, I, I got her back on the hook. Like she doesn't know what's happening. And then, um, and yeah, I had brought this drone with me, uh, which there's a funny story of that. Like I kept the ring in the drone case and I didn't unbeknownst to me. But when you go into a different country, there are different laws about like drones and stuff. And and so when we were going through customs in Fiji, they um, they saw in the x-ray that there was a drone and they were like, excuse me, sir, we need you need to take the drone out and we need to inspect it. Now, if we take the drone out, you're going to see that there's a ring box in there. So I was like, I panicked and I was like, um, do you mind if we go into another room and talk about this? And I imagine that's probably the most terrifying thing like mm. a TSA person can hear when they're like, wait, what do you mean? You want what? Why? Yeah, let's we let's go. Let's go to the other room, James Bond. Let's go. James yeah. Bond. Let's go. Yeah. Is this a bomb? You know, like, what is this? <laughs> So anyways, we went into this other room and I was like, my engagement strings there. So just like play it cool. And they were like, oh, that, whatever, however their accents are. And they're like, yeah, you know, good for you. But there was a moment where I was like, oh, no, I, this is all going to be ruined by the freaking drone. Um, so, yeah, when we got to the when we got to the beach, I was like, let's because no one was there. Uh, so I was like, let's take a picture and we'll use the drone. And so I flew it up and then I pressed record. So you could, it was a recording the entire thing. And uh, she was, the drone case was, you know, 
right by my feet. And she was like, move the drone case because it's in the shot. It's looked like crap. And I was like, no, I, I might need it for more batteries. And she was like, what? what are you talking about? Get the drone case out of here. And I was like, no. And so then she was like, I was like, cheers to the camera. And then I got down on one knee and then it took her a second. And then finally she turned around and was like, oh, this is how this is going. And so yeah, so she tried. She tried her best to sabotage your your uh, proposal in a, in, a, in a few different ways. But you threw her off. You threw her off with the with the board shorts and the tank top, though. That she she was probably like, oh man, this isn't this isn't what I think it is. Oh no, that's a great that's a great proposal for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Great proposal. Today's sponsor for Hollywood Swinging is Futures Hero Antioxidant Coffee. Uh, Futures Hero is an amazing organic coffee that is brewed with the patented healthy roast technology, which retains 75% of the naturally occurring antioxidants from the green coffee bean. Uh, it is an amazing coffee that comes in whole bean, grounds, uh, teabag style sachets and cold brew. And they are coming out with a dark roast coming out here soon. Futures Hero antioxidant coffee is the healthy roast. That's good for you. Steven, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Wells is a pretty good athlete. Uh, we were teammates uh, this past season in 2022 at Clayton Kershaw's Ping Pong Challenge. And, oh, and Wells, wow. we got pretty far. We got pretty far. Wow. Dude, I've, done that, I've done that a couple times. And just let me tell you something. Marty Fish is the bane mm. of my existence, okay? So I play in a lot of like celebrity golf tournaments as well. He wins all of those. And of oh, course, yeah. he wins the ping pong tournament because he was a pro tennis professional player. tennis player, which doesn't seem fair. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't and, be allowed. He shouldn't be allowed to participate in anything having to do with a paddle or a racket and a ball. R racket balls. ball tournament, racket <laughs> ball <laughs> tournament, ping pong, pickleball. You're, a, you're, you're, you're exempt from that because you're, you're, you're too good at, at this kind of sport. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we we had fun. We did really well. Um, we, I, we beat the guys from New Girl, which uh, yes. which was pretty cool. That was a must uh, win, by the way. There was some pressure. We couldn't was. we couldn't we couldn't lose to the guys from New Girl. So we we had pressure. It felt like seventh game of the World Series. So we had to beat them. Yeah. And then I think next up we had Cody Bellinger. Uh, yeah. And Guillermo, I believe. Coding Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel. Guillermo Life. from Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy Kimmel, yes. yes. And there was a time when I was like, watch, Guillermo's going to be like a like sneaky good, like a sleeper cell that we do. And I was like, because he was it. it seemed to me that he was pretending to be bad for like, because they were filming it for <laughs> Kimmel. And I was like, I know what the bit is. The bit is that he's bad and then all of a sudden he's good, you know, and like comes from behind. So I slamming balls at Guillermo because I was like, I'm not letting them get any balls back here. But yeah, we took them down as well. Well, you know, my takeaway, my takeaway from this, Jerry, is this is yet another thing for us to compete with because I am a wizard at ping pong. So here we go. You know, anytime we, we get a chance to go somewhere where they got a table, you and I are going to well, get it on. 
Well, listen, I'm just going to let you know a little secret here. You know, Stephen is very competitive, okay? Obviously, he's an incredible actor, uh, been in Moneyball, you know, a variety of shows. The, the thing that, you know, I guess some people know, he was an incredible athlete. He was a professional baseball player, okay? If really? he probably would have stuck with it, yeah. He would have stuck with it. Uh, he could have made it to the big leagues if he would have adjusted hitting that curveball. So that competitive fire is always there. So when we get on the golf course, he's ultra competitive. He wants to beat me. It doesn't happen, but the competitive juices are always flowing. Now I mentioned ping pong. Not two minutes after I mentioned ping pong that we were at it, he's trying to challenge me in ping pong. Yeah. Very competitive. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem, Wells. And it doesn't happen often. But it happens that I beat him on the golf course. Just let's let's make that clear for the record, Jerry. You're not going to go around letting people think you're undefeated against me on the golf course, okay? Sometimes I feel sorry for him. He invites me out to his course. I let him beat me. Yeah, that's the nice thing to do. Yes. But uh, you got we, we all need to go play my club, and they'll be well. I'll I'll take all your money. I don't care. Where's that? I love that challenge. Where is uh, that? I'm, o- I'm over at Lakeside. Oh, oh, oh. you're slumming. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're slumming the Muni course over there at Lakeside. I've played there yeah. a couple times. I'd love to play there with you. Hey, listen, I, I see that you are uh, associated with National Humane Association. I'm a huge mm-hmm. animal guy. I've always been my whole life. My my father uh, bred golden retrievers, and you know I've you know been my aunt and uncle had horses and all that. Uh, how did you get involved in that, and and what is your your association with them now? Yeah, good story. Um, I when I in my radio days, I was really um, so. What would happen every Thursday? Uh, uh, someone would come from the National Humane Association would come to the station, and we would try to get a, a dog or a cat adopted, um, and so. It started out because it was before I went on TV. It started out where uh, on air I would do a break where like, hey, we've got Fluffy. He's a, you know, Sharpe mix. Um, he's house broken. And, you know, we've got, got to go through all the things. And I'd take calls of people who are interested. And uh, we would try to get dogs adopted like that. And then um, I went on the show. And I all of a sudden got a big in social media following and you know, like you can go on Instagram and you can sell a bunch of diarrhea tea or whatever. And which is great, makes some money. But like, I felt that like what an opportunity to be able to use that platform to like do actual good. So I would still go on the air and do also film videos of, of the effectively what the was on the air and be like, this is fluffy. It's, you know, a Sharpe mix and, you know, um, pl- you know, click here to adopt. And so I did it for like two or three years before my contract ended in Nashville. And I'm proud to say that I had a hundred or I was batting a thousand. I was able to get every single uh, dog or cat adopted from doing it every week, which was uh, really, really cool and uh, really satisfying. So then when I started to go, like when I did the, the cooking show, Worst Cooks in America, that was my charity. I was raising money uh, for them. And and so, yeah, I still, I mean, I don't live in Nashville anymore, but I still, like, will try to ha- help get those dogs adopted. 
And uh, we do Sarah and I both do do a lot of um, you know SB, ASBCA and National uh, National Humane Association stuff here as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's a good cause. Is that dog behind you? That dog behind you is it of any significance? That was yeah. That was my dog Carl. He was a bloodhound um, that I actually didn't get from the National Humane Association. I wish I had, but I got him from a, a different human, humane association in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, uh-huh. And he was a he was a good boy. He passed away uh, not too long ago, but he was a good boy. And he was he was very fit. He had his own Instagram account. He had like thirty five thousand followers. He. <laughs> Uh, was very popular. He had his own voice. Uh, it was this whole, I did this whole thing with, uh, you know, he, you can see he was like very dopey, uh, like a bloodhound would be like very dopey. So his voice sounded like this. And it was like, I, I was under the impression we were going on a walk today, but now I'm in the vet and someone's got a finger in my ass. This (laughs) is not as fun as the, as going to the park. So, uh, he he was, (laughs) He was a real character, and um, yeah, he's a good boy. So, well, Jerry said you're you're quite an athlete. Did you play sports in high school, college, or uh, you went to University of Mississippi? Yeah, I went to Ole Miss. Howdy, toddy. Uh, did you play? Were you an athlete in in high school and in college? I was. I played um, soccer. And I was a good soccer player, and I was a good. I was a pretty good golfer in high school. I I wasn't like good enough in in both to really go to college for it i could have i could have done some like d2 schools for soccer um but uh you know my 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 passion was was radio and broadcasting and because i had a show when i was in high school so i went to old miss they have a really good journalism department and i was playing club soccer out there uh and my roommate just so happened to be on the rugby team which uh which the rugby team at Ole Miss was a division two team. Uh, and so rugby played after well, the practices were after the soccer practices. And so my, my buddy was like, dude, our, our soccer team is terrible, but r- rugby, we played for a national championship last year and we lost to Arkansas state, which, which is a very good powerhouse rugby team. And they're like, he was like, what, just come play rugby. And I was like, I don't know how to play rugby. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm a soccer player. And he was like, you'll learn. So I, there was a time in which I was playing soccer and rugby uh, for Ole Miss at the same time. And I played my, I got, we had a friendly match, you know, it was like off season. So we went and played, I think it was Louisiana tech. And I went down there and they had me be a winger, which is basically like the wide receiver position in rugby. It's like your fastest guy and he's kind of on the edge. Um, and so they put me in, and the first time someone passed me the ball, I scored. And they were like, okay, uh, that might be a fluke or whatnot. And then I, uh, the next game, the first time I touched the ball, I scored. And they were like, okay, uh, I think that you need to be on the rugby team. So I officially quit playing soccer. And then I did four years of, of rugby. I was, uh, I got pretty good. Like I was, I was uh, on the all ICC team. I was like, um, First team deep south. Uh, we played a lot of sevens tournaments and we won a couple of those. And there came a time of which um, they were doing um, like tryouts for uh, 
uh, R7s team. So there's, there's two types of rugby. There's there's the regular one, which is 15s, and then there's 7s, which is like a much faster game. And that's what's in the Olympics. Um, because there's a World Cup for rugby, which is the 15s. And so I was supposed to go uh, try out in San Diego. It was a long shot to like make the national team, but it I got I got offered the opportunity to go do it. And for some reason, I had gone down to Old Miss for an for the Alabama football game, and we had a friendly against Alabama that week. And I wasn't on the team anymore. I graduated, but it was a friendly, so anyone could kind of play. And I went and played rugby, and I had I got hit, and I had compound tib fib break. And I've been, you know, I now have so much metal in my leg and it sets off, you know, every time I go to the airport, it's a whole situation. Um, and so it ended my like rugby career and I was never able to go try out for the team and all that oh. kind of stuff, but that's okay. I, uh, I, now I play golf, uh, three times a week and that's a much safer sport. Yeah. I was going to ask you what it was like the first time you took a, a, a hit in rugby coming off the soccer field. I mean, I know you guys you know, slide tackle and things like that on in the soccer field. But the first time that you're running down the field with the rugby, uh, is it called a rugby ball? Is that? Yeah. Is it, okay. When the first time you're running down the field with a rugby ball what, and then the guy bearing down on you and just lays a shoulder into your chest, what did that, what did that feel like? Did it make you think, ah, maybe I need to go back to soccer? Yeah. I got shook a couple of times. Um, that's for sure. It definitely, I definitely like ripped a AC joint in my shoulder, but I, I would say this and it's like, I, I think that Pete Carroll does it where he goes and he has his teams practice with, um, I think Cal, Cal, the Cal bears have a really good rugby team uh, and, and talk about tackling because tackling in rugby is different than it is in the NFL because you can't just spear people in rugby. You have to wrap up. And you have to bring down to the ground. It's also like more advantageous to, to create turnovers because once you tackle somebody in football, the, the, it's kind of over. Uh, the play's over. But in rugby, it keeps going and someone comes and rucks over you and then you start the play again. It's kind of constant. Uh, so you really learn the, uh, the, the, the technical applications of how to tackle correctly and like how to wrap up right. And it's a long diatribe to say that like I got hurt playing high school football much more than I did playing rugby and rugby. You have no pads really. Um, and that's because you just, you, you tackle in a, in a better way than you just, you know, blowing somebody up or like trying to spear somebody. But yeah, I got, I got lit up a few times, but the worst was my leg being broken up. That, that sucked. So, so you're saying when they're, when you're wearing shoulder pads and helmets, there's a false sense of security. So you can just go all out and tackle any which way. Absolutely. Uh, and this is a very controversial thing, but like, I think that one of the biggest problems with football is you have these weapons on top of you. You have a very hard helmet that can really, really ring someone's bell. But yeah, you know, if you hit, if your head hits, like it happens a lot when you, you know, you break down to take someone's knees out. It happens a lot where someone's knee goes into your head. That hurts a lot and it can knock you out. So then you learn to like, make sure you hit their knee on your shoulder, which then protects that person's knee and it protects your head from getting your, your bell from getting rung. Um, 
So yeah, and when, absolutely. And, and when they pop your shoulder back in, you're you're good to go. <laughs> That's right. After that, I mean, it it, it just seems crazy. I mean, listen, I played high school football and, you know, I was a I was a, a quarterback and I, on the other side of the ball I was a safety. And just the the idea of rugby because a lot of guys on my football team played rugby as well and it just was insane to me that these guys were all the all the linebackers and the fullbacks, the guys that we already thought were crazy. Yeah. Uh, that would just because, you know, we, we grew up playing tackle football in the in the rain and in the mud and, you know, all of that. And some, you know, but when you're really serious about it, playing for your school or playing for your college or something and you really are going all out, it just seems like such a violent and, and, and insane sport to me. It's 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 really not, though. I I know it's just because you haven't done it. Um rugby's like soccer in that, like it never stops. So you're. And one thing about football is that you get a break every between every play. Like you can like take a breather. And I think that that's advantageous to having really, really big people out there. But if you had, you know, a six foot seven, 300 pound guy having to run for, you know, 45 minutes straight, he'd run out of gas. He, he wouldn't be able to do it. So the people aren't as big. Um, and yeah, you have to, you have to be able to have like, uh, endurance. And so you're not like, it's not all out trying to blow someone up every single play. It's more of like methodical, uh, you know, like slow it down a little bit. It's, it's not as crazy as you think there are some big hard hits, but the way that the game works is that you, you can't pass the ball forward, right? So it's either lateral or backwards. So, uh, you know, when you have those like hits across the middle in football, it's because someone got to run far away and pick up as much speed as humanly possible. And someone's coming the other direction and they're both going, you know, top end speed. And, and then they, they collide. It's a huge hit. Whereas in rugby, it's like the farthest, the farthest I can, I can like pick up speed is like five yards before I run into somebody, you know? So it's the hits aren't as big. I mean, there were a lot of really big hits, but it's not as big as, as um as football that's for sure well hey wells um you you're you know you're very good at a lot of things uh we we do a segment here on hollywood swinging called you're not that good mm, and perfect. where we we go and we we scour the internet or 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 real life for people who seem to believe that they are better than they are at whatever it is they're doing and okay. to, today's edition of You're Not That Good, Jerry, mm -hmm. is about a, I believe, high school athlete. He was a track runner who I believe was running the 100-yard dash. I and, know where you're going with this. And he, he got off to a great start, and he pulled ahead of all the, uh, the other competitors, and he thought he was going to do a Usain Bolt. And he's running down the track, and he's pulling ahead, and he turns to look at the guy next to him and... and you know, talk his talk, his talk. And just as he starts to talk his talk, he trips over his own feet and face plants into the track and ends up losing the race. And to you, young man, I say, mm -hmm. you're not that good. You're not that good. You you're not need that good. to run. I know from day one of track practice, you were taught run through the tape. 
I know that you believe that because of what you see on the internet, just like a lot of kids, they see guys throwing bats, they see NBA players put, you know, holding their hand up after a three-pointer. I know you thought that you could be Usain Bolt and you could run while not looking in the direction you were running. You quickly found out that you are not that good and you tripped over your own feet, you embarrassed yourself, you embarrassed your family, you embarrassed your school. Next time, complete the race and maybe you can do the the crap talking on the podium with the medal around your neck. But until then, just remember, you're not that good. Not that good. Do you have like footage of me doing this in high school? Did I do this in high school? No, no, not you. No, this is a guy that I just saw on the internet the other day. So the no, not you, Wells. No, no. (laughs) So uh, I'm sorry that there's a lot of guilt over there. To you, yeah. Did that happen to you? There's a lot of guilt over there. What 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 haven't you not been telling us? No, but I was like, I, you're like, we have this segment where we explain to you, you know, you're not that good. And I was like, there's this high school kid, and I was like, is there footage of me like running track where I pulled up early? I wouldn't be surprised. No, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear about that. I mean, for a good three minutes there, you thought, oh my goodness, are they going to show this? Are they going to yeah. show me doing this? But no, Wells, we were not talking about you at all. Okay, that's good. Uh, of course, that, that never happened to you, Wells. Incredible athlete. You've done incredible things. Uh, so uh, happy that you're able to come on our show. Uh, you guys can catch Wells Adams. He's the host of, of Your Favorite Thing podcast with Brandy Cyrus and Two Dudes in a Kitchen and has a show on Hulu, Best in Dough. Make sure you catch uh, Wells Adams. Wells, thanks for joining us, man. Great, great stuff from you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the golf course at yeah. Lakeside in the future. Let's go. It, yeah, we're pl- we're plugging the greens uh, this week, so maybe next week we can go do it. Hey, and come on, feel free to come out to my place and, and play as well. We'll do a, a home and away. Uh, you know, we'll. we'll go. I'm ready. Okay, I look forward to it, man. Great you meeting me you. And thank you for coming on, Jerry. You want to take us out? Absolutely. Wells, again, thanks again. And yes, we're definitely all all three of us going to play golf. Uh, we'd like to thank once again Wells Adams for joining us uh, for Stephen Bishop. This is Jerry Harrison Jr. for Hollywood Swinging. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.